Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1. Time now for the Friday gathering. This week I'm joined in studio by Josepha Madigan, Minister of State for Special Education and Fine Gael TD for Dublin Rathdown, Michael Fitzmaurice, Independent TD for Roscommon Galway, Alison O'Connor, Broadcaster and Columnist with the Irish Examiner and Dermot O'Leary, General Secretary of the National Bus and Rail Union. You're all very, very welcome. Um, let's uh, start, uh, Josepha Madigan, um, with the cost of living crisis because on Wednesday the Dole heard about a 100-year-old woman who got an electricity bill for €957 for a two-month period. Another elderly person had a bill of more than €1,600 and, you know, we've had listeners texting into the show about bills, domestic bills with eye-watering figures. Um, They're not defensible, are they? Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, the government, first of all, is acutely aware, obviously, of the, the cost of living crisis for families um, and indeed for businesses. Um, and that's why when you look back to the budget, we had an 11 billion euro budget package, 4.4 billion of that was worth one off measures to help with the cost of living. We've also implemented 1.2 billion uh, package uh, in February. Um, even this month, there's a 200 euro credit. That's the third one that's going to be paid. A fourth one hasn't been ruled out. And we have a number of different measures there. Everything from, you know, reducing childcare costs 25%. We have another 80,000 people availing of the fuel allowance to help, you know, low income families. There's a working fa- family payment. I think there's about 470 million in terms of social welfare payments. So we're really doing everything we can to try to assist uh, people with 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 with, the, with this difficulty. And just on that, on uh, on businesses, obviously Electric Ireland announced during the week that they were reducing their prices for businesses, but not for households. Do you think that that is fair? And I think no. I I think actually that we need to extend it to to customers, um, to you know to households. Um, I, I know Electric Ireland to give did give a fifty euro winter credit, um, but that to me isn't sufficient. And I know that the Taoiseach has called now that wholesale prices have been reduced. They did go up significant significantly in the past, bills, but they have now come down. Um, and there's no reason why that shouldn't be uh, passed on to to consumers, um, not just businesses. I, I mean, I do welcome the fact that there is a reduction for businesses but we also have to help consumers. When you, when you talk so, about you know, and I th- sorry to interrupt, mm. but I think uh, I, I heard um, Michael McGrath, the Minister for Finance, uh, uh, this morning on Morning Ireland, you know, and, and he was saying that, you know, it shouldn't be the taxpayer that has to bear the brunt he's, he's of all it, of that this. It you know, so. But just on that, the fourth, uh, the prospect of a fourth €200 Euro electricity credit has, you're saying it has not been ruled out. Are you saying... Um, that it will happen? Well, obviously, it's not a decision mm-hmm. for me to make, um, but it has been mooted that, you know, everything is under consideration. Um, and I think that will continue. You know, even the VAT rate has been retained, you know, the 9% mm-hmm. VAT rate, you know, on excise, on petrol, on diesel, well, up until October. Sorry, Minister. Well, look, the question Derek. I was asked uh, at Derval to start was about the 100-year-old woman uh, and the other person with €1,600 bill. We all know, and we've heard it infinite at this stage, about the interventions. Some of them, obviously, lots of them are more than welcome. But when you see some of the profits of of, of some of the multinationals on, on the pitch here in terms of uh, the charges. Centrica, Centrica, the British multinational bought Borgash uh, in 2014 for 1.1 billion. They made profits last year of 3.71 billion 
in in, in, in 2022. That's that's immoral. Yeah. So what are you suggesting? Is it is it a cap? What are you suggesting? The interventions made. The interventions made by the government. I think total around four billion. If, I, if my figures are right, and that four billion effectively is transferred into private business, who are making exorbitant profits. Now I don't often agree with Brenda Power, uh, and sometimes I do. But as we uh, heard this the morning, the, the, go, the, the government the is benefiting from the inflation crisis the mail, in terms of that. This, on the mail this morning, Brenda Power talks about, uh, and she, she likens it to the cyber attack uh, by uh, faceless Russians back uh, in, in the HSE a number of years ago. She's, I think she's quite right that these people are making these urban profits on the back of what they say is a war and price increases. And again, when people read about uh, the, or, uh, business prices going down and domestic prices not going down, a uh, minister agreeing that they, they should come down. Action is what's needed. What well, people look for action. Alison O'Connor, sorry, just want to bring Alison. So sorry, just Alison O'Connor, just on that. Then, you know, when I listened to Michael McGrath uh, this morning talking about, you know, they recognise the pressure on households, they recognise the pressure on anyone and uh, all these things are being considered. But is there a gap between the comprehension and taking action such as cap prices or windfall taxes that would actually, are they just hoping that there'll be enough sort of peer pressure or political pressure out there for the companies to act themselves? No, I mean, that is clearly the case. It's been talked about. It's like this axe that keeps swinging above the heads of the energy companies, but one wouldn't get the sense that the energy companies are too fearful at at this point. Um, But I suppose it's at least the government has that as, a, as an option, albeit that they are reluctant to, to interfere u- in markets, to interfere in markets and to utilise that. Um, I think that uh, on the, the wider point about the, it was last night in prime time that the Taoiseach said that he would consider the possibility of another uh, energy instalment later later this year. And certainly listening, there was a, an elderly man in prime time this morning and it was just such a vivid image and he was it, shocked at the, the uh, how, by how much his bill had gone up and an image of him sitting there with the, he had a blow heater and it was a very viv- vivid image in, in your head and that how people like that and the people that you mentioned, you know, really desperately need help. But a concern of mine is that that there's this kind of, it's a strange term, reflexive enfeeblement on the part of the government that uh, I don't think the Taoiseach should have said last night that he may consider another instalment. I think it's setting up far too much of a level of expectation on the part of people the people who don't need it. I'm not talking about the man this morning. I'm talking about whole swathes of other people who have plenty of money and uh, who don't yeah. need that. But the yeah. government is responding not only to it, public, public opinion, but also to, we'll say, to Sinn Féin or whatever, and that there it, it hasn't been targeted enough. So if well, we had years of this... On this programme yesterday yeah. was saying that that would be the next phase. Yeah. There must be much, much more targeted yeah. measures. But the, and that makes sense. And uh, Pascal Dunne, who regularly makes very good sense on those issues but then his boss goes on prime time and does something like he did sorry, I, I, I want to bring sorry I want to that follows on then from quite rightly the years of covid when we got those we we got we got all the payments that that we did and that we should have gotten but the government is now creating uh, a sense whereby it always has to be given and, and just on that point, to a lot of people I do not just on that point the governments across uh, Europe including our own learnt it seemed from the last financial crisis in bringing in supports at the outset of the pandemic it's very very hard to take those away once we get accustomed to them have they done enough on the cost of living crisis? In my opinion no um, and I listened to the minister there she talked about and, and they are welcome to like the the fuel allowance increases and all of that, but there's a cohort of people 
that no one is talking about at all. Those the people that are getting up early in the morning going to work. Those are the people, what I call Middle Ireland, that are paying the taxes. Those are the people that are as youngsters going to college. Those are the people that has paid for... I talked to a couple this morning that are on 80,000, and they're paid with the mortgage, the way it's gone up, um, on a combined wage between the two of them. They are really, really struggling. And what's being given for them, or how do you do target measures for them? On top of that... It's not um, an easy task. On top of that, we seem to be asleep at the wheel in the line of the energy regulator. Because if you look at the barrel of oil, if you look at the gas prices um, internationally, it has come down rather substantial. And but because of forward contracting well, and, and, and buying not, in bulk, no, not, it, it can take a little time so. to if revert. You at, if you look at the price of even diesel at the moment um, and you look at what you can get it in even here at for us as agricultural contractors, there is gouging going on and all you'll hear is, oh, well, there's extra costs and processing and all of that. This is a myth that's been put out there by the people that are supplying it. But the energy regulator is asleep at the steering wheel. But on top of that, the government has to... You cannot keep... Yeah. If you look at the people in Middle Ireland that I that I keep talking about that has the mortgage, have a look. There are four rises already. Yeah. They're going to have another one at the moment. There's about twenty seven or twenty eight thousand people falling into arrears and mortgages. On top of that, those people that are driving distances, they need diesel today. Diesel, even if it's even if the and the government did take fifteen cent off the diesel, it's still fifteen cents dearer than it was a year ago. So we need to make sure that those people. Are, are looked after as well as the cohort that we keep and talking about. And that is, about. just see from Adam. Yeah, sorry, can I just come back in? First of all, just in response to, to Alison in relation to the Taoiseach's uh, comments on, on a possible further energy credit. I mean, I, I, I think what he's what he's saying there is that he's listening to what people are saying to him. And I, I think in government, nothing can ever be ruled out in, in the future. So I, I think that's where he was coming from in relation to that. But no, I just want ready? to finish, sorry, just on the windfall tax. Um, I mean, that is something, there is a decision that has been made already in relation to that last November that is being, the legislation is being progressed Europe, currently yeah. uh, through the Department of Europe. the Environment. Um, there, there are two parts. There's a, t- a temporary solidarity contribution and there's also a revenue cap um, in relation to it as well. And just respond to Michael uh, in terms of, you know, I'm acutely aware as a public representative myself, uh, representing the constituency of Dublin Down. I have many, many constituents who contact me in relation to this issue. We're doing a huge amount in terms of school (coughs) costs. So we like there's the child uh, extra hundred euro for, for per child um, in June. We have the back to school cost. There's a, a hundred euro extra in terms yeah, but, of the clothing. But it's Sorry, 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 can I make the point can I put the point Addison makes about the Taoiseach statement on prime time last night nobody should be surprised I thought his hibernation uh, from the Taoiseach's office and he came out and he said that he learned uh, a lot from Michal Martin's stewardship he didn't learn nothing because that has been his style since he took over as Taoiseach previously he comes on and he makes statements that, that run country are not aligned with what Pascal Danu said for example yesterday fair. so that's Leo's that's Leo's modus operandi unfortunately yeah, right. he's learned nothing well, as far as I'm concerned in fair, relation uh, in, uh, in, uh, look I mean I've been asked to come know. on and comment 
I'm not saying going to do that. No one's going to stop me doing that anyway. But in relation <laughs> to the, to in relation <laughs> in, in, yeah, in relation to the point they made earlier about Centrica, who, that that crowd that bought board gosh, they made 31 million profit in this country last year. Yes, last year their prices on electricity went up by 45.7 percent and their gas 48.6 percent. So do you want That's to win for tax term? Most certainly do. And we're, of course we're waiting for Europe. I know the European yeah. in last November, and I heard the minister again yesterday. I heard the minister again this morning at a different station talking about that. But it's about time these people were were taxed. The individuals as well as the corporations were taxed, uh, and because these people, it, it is immoral. Let's let's call it what and it is. Do you remember struggling? Of course they're struggling. Everyone and, and Michael talks about middle uh, middle earners. That we're talk- most of my members are in that category, mm-hmm. uh, and they're struggling yeah. day to day. A lot of them live uh, very remote from where they work, for example, yeah. and diesel prices, exactly. petrol prices, you know, mm-hmm. and they can't afford uh, to heat their homes either. So and something needs to give here. And as I said already, putting four billion of taxpayers' money effectively into private companies—that's what the individuals have done, rightly or wrongly. That's well, what's well, happening. Well, Dermot, uh, something uh, you just uh, stressed there, Michael. I just want to ask you about because there was a stark warning this week from businesses that the housing crisis is now a major barrier to finding staff and incredibly even comes above wages in terms of what people are uh, concerned about. Um, You know, it's not just a a Dublin issue. Uh, For those of us who live in the capital, we're now saying it's a major problem outside of the the, the main cities. I've seen and I've I've talked about it before since Christmas in my local area. Like you're talking about a rural area where there's Mm. not uh, big populations. I've seen 12 youngsters leaving for Australia. And the reason they're going is... And they're all jobs. Didn't that they have jobs? But they cannot see a future here um, with what they're earning as, again, what they need to do to build a house in the in the area. And they have they have basically gone. And it is a huge problem at the moment to, you know, to attract inward investment, first of all, because once you have a crisis and a housing crisis, um, it puts people off and there's no point in saying it doesn't. And, you know, those youngsters have all gone to Australia. They're a loss to our country. And even if you look at it in the agricultural sector at the moment, and no one talks about this because it seems to be the the low down the, the ladder. Um, I've seen at the moment that in certain parts of the country, uh, there's five or six contractors selling out. They cannot get the people first of all, and second of all, they cannot sustain the cost that's involved. And if you keep having that, you will have basically uh, an area left in parts of the country that won't be getting the services that. It and, and Alison, just how serious is that? That you know, a country such as Ireland that has often you know promoted its its young talent that um, that we can't you know get people somewhere to live and including vital services, whether it's nurses, guardi, whatever. It's hugely important. And I mean, especially, as you said, because that's how you look at the IDA going out, Enterprise Ireland, how we market ourselves. Um, So that's on an industry level. We're already seeing that we have huge issues around hotel accommodation. What's going to happen March, April? Because a lot of our accommodation at the moment is is being given towards refugees. And the other issue then is that you get if you if you if you come to work here and you're lucky enough to get somewhere to live. uh, Michael mentioned price gouging there at first. It's like there's, I think we all sense at the moment, no matter what part of the country you're in, there is massive price gouging going on. Mm. You talk about the hotel rooms that are there, uh, you try and go out for a meal. And I mean, it, it's very on the part of those in that industry, 
it's very short termist to my mind um, that they because you are literally biting off the hand that feeds you. Well, ultimately, there was a lot of a lot of response to our hotel issue, piece earlier. Well, I mean, it's yeah, the, the, yeah. the issue the issue that you've raised speaks to the competitiveness or the potential non-competitiveness of this of the country and the economy. And I look directly my own uh, bailiwick, if you like, in, in transport. Um, I was asked a question a number of months ago. I think by the Times that they were talking about bringing in and it subsequently have done so, bringing in workers from outside the EU to, to drive buses. And my response the was, this, uh, yeah. yes, my, my, my like, um, waiver, yeah, but my response was that where are these people going to live? It's the same as your teachers and your girls can't afford to live. Where are they going to live? It's all very fine. And incidentally, during COVID, and in fairness to Dublin Bus, where we represent, Dublin Bus recruited 350 drivers uh, during at the very end of COVID for Bus Connect. So there, there is there is people out there that want to drive buses, but it's, it's trying to live. Of in course, the, they've, they've, a, they've a big advertising campaign. I, mean, I, 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 I think the government recognises that housing is the biggest issue. Well, you know, and, and, and well, you've been in, co- no, you've been in power it, for 12 yeah, years. This is the pro-business party. This is the party that gets up early yeah. in the morning and, and I can, can, are there, do those credentials stand when a doll committee is hearing that our inward investment our entire economic proposition is jeopardised as a result yeah. of not being and, able to and house no people one, no one is saying it's not a challenge um, you know and as Pascal who said recently we're living in a permit crisis as well which, which, which hasn't helped but that's not to excuse work that still needs to be done I mean there's, there is a housing for all programme it's four, four, four billion multi-annually as you know you know uh, as the Taoiseach said last night 30,000 homes were built last year was more than in a decade uh, 8,000 social homes uh, last year the most since 1975 16,000 uh, couples bought, the, bought their new home uh, for but the first time last the year we're, we're but, talking about but, people yeah, leaving and, and, or not being able to have, come to this country we have many new types of, of housing like the cost rental which, which is being rolled out um, and you know it, it is a challenge and you know, it, it, you know we're trying to accommodate as well not just you know the, the five to six thousand you know Irish citizens that need uh, emergency accommodation, for example. You know we're also housing international protection uh, and Ukrainian um, uh, people as well, um, and so all of that is a challenge. But you know, I, I think I think I think it's it's wrong, wrong to say that we're not there's a fine line fully minister. There's a fine line minister. We're talking here, and I think we're going to go on to talk about the eviction ban. But there's a fine line here about being competitive. Ireland is a very open economy, as we all know. Yes. Foreign direct investment that isn't touched on. Is, is pivotal to the, to, to the success of, of the economy. And we're, we're in a situation now that foreign direct investment won't come in here. The people that are here are here. I hope they won't leave, obviously. And I think the government is aware of that, Dermot. I, I, I totally appreciate... And something about yeah, but, I, but I think now. it's unfair to say we're not doing well, something. I didn't say you I, do I something. Mean, I said the it's a fine line. The government completely seized, as is the Minister of Housing, of this issue and is yeah. doing everything it can in its power to, to help. Um, but well, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a magic so wand What about the eviction ban? Do you believe that it should be extended? Well, I, first of all, I understand that there's a memo going to government on Tuesday. Yes. I don't, uh, I have, I, I don't have a decision in this myself. Um, I, I think what it was interesting. How do you uh, not have an opinion? Well, I have an, op- I can have an opinion in relation to and it, um, it, and I this? think it's a very difficult decision to be perfectly f- uh, honest with you, because I think there are competing uh, trade-offs there when you're talking about, for example, um, you know, landlords who, who, and I'm talking about small landlords who are exiting the market rapidly, um, where there is therefore a dearth then of home to rent um, and you're also talking about 30,000 uh, Irish people coming back to Ireland on a yearly basis uh, who may or may not own a home who can't access and live in their own home is that a constitutional issue and that has to be weighed against the fact that there are people in emergency accommodation and I think in the pandemic it, it was clearly demonstrated uh, that there were less people in emergency accommodation because there was no international Connor, travel but that is not the case now and no. it hasn't fallen and, also, uh, and on and that issue, you, know, issue. You, you mentioned earlier about you know the 
you know, when supports are given and often in an emergency situation, we become accustomed to them very, very yeah. quickly. And but there are hazards and risks with, you know, with phenomena such as eviction bans and rent controls. It's it's a tricky issue. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you have to look at the homeless numbers. Have they gone down since they we've not. had the eviction ban? They haven't, unfortunately, uh, very unfortunately for people who are homeless. We've seen, I think it's a 30 percent reduction in landlords over the last uh, three years or so. Um, the, afford, the, the the frequently mentioned uh, Minister Donoghue said last night that uh, the government would be evaluate on Tuesday, as you said, the future of the ban and accompanied by policies to make that decision work, whatever that, you know, to recognise the trade-offs involved in that. And I think he's talking there about the landlords that are that are abandoning it. John Fitzgerald is an interesting column in the Irish Times about Looking it today. Yeah, and yeah. he's saying if you prevent landlords selling with vacant possession he talked about you could have a fire a fire sale by landlords yeah, and I mean that would be the fact that yeah, 1981 so there, was a, there was a constitutional challenge to, to uh, rent freeze yeah, that time yeah. in Blake versus uh, the Attorney General so can I just chat to you just, yeah. you know, just on that because uh, we, we've had um emergency legislation in 19, <laughs> introduced in 1939 that we still have and sometimes the emergency or uh, the temporary becomes the permanent and mm. the longer we extend the eviction van the more it becomes part of that that safety net for some but obviously unintended consequences elsewhere. Yeah. Do you feel um, that and particularly a lot of the young landlords mm. are contemplating legal mm. action we haven't seen anything mm. issued just yet do you have some sympathy for them? I do, I do. it's one of those it's one of those issues that you're, you're, you're right to come down the side of either I mean that's one of those issues but certainly mm. Certainly, and again, I'm not a legal expert by any stretch of the imagination. I know uh, Josepha has experience. But you, you want to see it law. extended? But, but I, well, I, if, I'm, if, mm. I, if I was pushed for an answer, I, I do because, and I, I look looking at the Constitution, for example, the Constitution should not be read in my mind as a literal document. That's my view of the Constitution. And there's two articles, three interesting articles, if you, if you indulge me. Forty-three point one does talk about property rights. It certainly does, and that's where the challenge would come. But forty-three point two goes on to talk about that ownership should be, and I quote, regulated by the principle of social justice. So social justice. Justice speaks directly to the issue of people that are tenants in these houses. Courts are very reluctant and to legislate. I, I, I understand. Well, let's cut, let's have legislation. Article 4523 cuts right to the chase when it comes mm. to legislation. And it says in the court that especially the operation of free competition should not be allowed to develop as a result in the concentration of the ownership or control of essential commodities to a few individuals to the common detriment. Now, that's the Constitution, right? So you can read the Constitution in many, many ways. But certainly if I'm pushed into a situation where I'm asking no opinion, then I think that it should be extended. But, of course, we're back to the point earlier, house building dipped supply of housing and I do have an issue I was here a few months ago uh, uh, again on the Friday gathering and I mentioned about the central bank and I get I get not for saying this but I'm going to say it anyway that the central bank rules of three and a half times salary mm-hmm. at that time right, were, 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 were actually creating an affordability crisis the following Tuesday, not because I said it, obviously the following Tuesday went up to four times. I still think that's not high <coughs> enough. I'm not talking about a blank check, not back to the bad days in the Kentucky mm-hmm. Tiger, but certainly people that are paying could pay a mortgage quicker than they could pay rent these days. Okay, Michael, can I just bring you in there? You know, we, we don't have a, a constitutional uh, right to housing, but it's a, the, the eviction ban has its critics and its promoters. Uh, do you think it should stay but with a sunset clause? And if so, when does this, should the I sun fall should, on it? Uh, my honest opinion is I'm surprised that there hasn't been a a challenge to the constitution under property. Um, my honest opinion is it should get an extension, but I think clarity is required for both landlords and for tenants that if it gets um, another two or three months, whatever they're going to do, that then that's changing for the simple reason. Um, if you look, there's 11,400 um, on the homeless list. That's more than there was three months ago. Second of all... So it didn't prevent... It didn't prevent it. Second of all, um, we have... 
um, a lot of small, what we'd call incidental landlords, and they're ready to pop, get out, they're getting out. On top of that, I think that there has to be certain things looked at, like the Minister said, that if this family is coming home and you own a house, well, like Jesus, if you have to live in a caravan and someone uh, having your house, there has to be certain things put in and that you're, you know, look after the house. That crude measures produce crude y- results. Yeah, yeah, but the, there has to be certain things um, and that if you want to sell your house, that you, go, that you can sell it, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. I see, and this is a tsunami, in my opinion, coming of the small landlords. Once you step on their toes in the line of, that you say you you have to you, you, there's, there's an eviction ban and once they see that once or twice they're going to get out they're not going to stay in the market it can be briefly just of a more imaginative thinking like as I understand it someone in government was pointing out to me in France there's a winter ban on evictions yeah. you know so it doesn't have to be an all or nothing yeah. either but the, I suppose the only you know and again you know we'll have to see what the decision is but when you you know Dermot was even talking about FTI um, and you know about housing or whatever I think consistency is is really important and so whatever decision we make we stick to that so that there is certainty then uh, for for for, but for how, investment. How do you get out of that when you when well, you introduce crude measures in the, in the context of a crisis, and then you're trying to unscramble? Well, again, the this egg. is this is the difficulty. Uh, it's difficult to unravel yeah. something then, and, thing, um, and, and, and I think it's a difficult decision. One, to say, one thing yeah. that, that needs to be looked at, in my opinion, rents right around the country has gone up. You know, when the problem started in Dublin, it wasn't as big a problem down our country. It is and, now, and it is now, and it has escalated well, everywhere. For new and tenants, yeah, yeah. but, but are, rents yeah. have gone up and gone up, and now down or considering the house to be got. But we need to look at the rinse, um, in my opinion, that they're frozen in all parts around the country at the moment because they're gone astronomical on people. Rent controls and eviction bans are tricky. Uh, Josefa Madigan, I just wanted just uh, earlier we were talking in the programme about drone disruption, uh, which continues to dog Dublin Airport. Um, Your party colleague, Regina Doherty, is now criticising the government's lacklustre approach to tackling this. Is it, are Fine Gael having a go at Eamon Ryan here? (laughs) Um, well, well, first of all, uh, uh, first of all, any any well, any TD, you know, you know, an opposition TD or a senator or a government TD or senator can hold any minister to account, including myself, uh, and they do, um, and, and they're entitled to do that. Um, you know, but look, it, it's obvious. But do, you, do you think Eamon Ryan has been lacklustre? Look, about this? it's obvious that we need you know anti-drone Is that a yes? uh, technology. No, I, I'm not saying that at all. I, th- I mean, my understanding from this. Is that he's, he's going Signed to be meeting like with the DEA today, um, and he's going to you look. This this needs to be looked at. I understand he's bringing a, a memo to government on Tuesday in relation to this. Um, but you're not saying it's the opposite it. of lackluster. I'm not. I'm not responding one way or the <laughs> other. I, 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 Your non-response is a response, I, Minister Alison O'Connor. Alison O'Connor. Thank you, Josephe, for a minute. He, he needs to. He needs. He needs to deal with this. And I was listening. And he is. And he is. Well, I was listening. Not just Finnegan. No, I'm certainly not criticising Alison O'Connor. Michael McGrath, the Finn Fall Finance Minister, a morning. And I was sorry I didn't start the the word bingo at the start because I don't know how many times you mentioned Damon Ryan when this issue came up, but it was. A lot. Um, and listening to um, Ryanair boss Michael uh, O'Leary, um, it was, I mean, I often listen to Michael O'Leary and uh, find myself disagreeing strongly, but it was hard to, me, it Hallison. was hard to argue with a single word that he said this morning. His frustration seemed entirely justified and that it is utterly ridiculous. I mean, I found myself thinking, is this a way for the Greens to stop people from flying? Uh, you know, and that's a whole other <laughs> argument. <laughs> I, I, I don't it was quite as Machiavellian. It's, 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 it
bring in legislation. Can I, can I, I, I can again, we're talking about our reputation as a country, accommodating people, prices, all of that. Part of that is people being able to fly in and fly out as seamlessly as they can. Can, can I just yeah. in the last few minutes that we have, uh, Dermot, we saw a new yeah. uh, political party leader announced this week, Holly mm-hmm. Cairns, obviously has taken mm-hmm. over uh, the Social Democrats on Wednesday, but... Um, Huge tensions between them because this letter of invitation that's gone out, these big talks of forming a left coalition, but um, it seems as fragmented as ever. Yeah, look, I, look, I, I, I think people, when they see me or hear me, they think I'm, I'm just naturally a left-winger. My, my political values are, are steeped in working class. Well, you're a trade union leader, class. so we yeah, would assume that... But um, my, my values are working class values and the correspondence you refer to, I did write political parties. Did you get parties, the letter? Independence, no, I did got no letter. You didn't get invited let, to the let, ball. Let me tell you one thing about it. I, I deal with Michael and others on a regular basis, including Fine Gael. People might be surprised at that. But I'm not at all surprised at the source of that letter uh, where it came from because... Uh, Again, a lot of the people that are involved in writing that letter uh, were fortunate, fortunate to get elected on the, on the surplus of Sinn Féin votes the last time around. And it would appear that Sinn Féin, listen, looking at the opinion polls and looking at the media commentary, are some type of juggernaut. And if I was there, I might be hatching, or latching on to that juggernaut as well. The reality is, unfortunately, from a working class point of view, left, and, and particularly the far left, will criticise me after the show, no doubt, have a history of not going into government as opposed to going and into Michael, government. Michael, if the perfect conditions, the cost of living crisis, inflation, energy, everything, Thing. This is their moment to unite. Well, first of all, I didn't get the letter. So, uh, um, I wasn't one of the chosen few. Um, <laughs> I cannot see it working, to be quite frank about it. Um, when you hear some people within the Dáil saying that say, some of our multinational companies should be basically made into state companies, like some of the stuff that goes on in there is crazy. You have to, there are things that you'll be called right in and things you'll be called left in, but to run a country, you have to balance everything. Alison, uh, did uh, you get a letter? Uh, I did not. No, um, <laughs> I just release. thought. I mean, like former government. I mean, they'd fight with their own toenails. I mean, there isn't a possibility, and that if, if, we knew that anyway. But it's as, it's as plain as day now. I heard Gino Kenny talking earlier. The deputy who can be very thoughtful on a number of issues, but actually, to my mind, being asked about this, he seemed even uncomfortable with some of the really utterly daft stuff in it. You know, and well, I mean, I don't think just so unclear. Because I want to be attacked there. Yeah. After, just so unclear. The people on the left, the Richard yeah. Barris, the yeah. Paul Morphy, the Breeze, yeah. Mr. Gino yeah. Kenny's, are some of the most progressive in their in their thinking. There's no, no, no doubt about that. Are, no doubt about that. I would just like to say it's my home constituency uh, in terms of Cork South West so from that point of view delighted to see Holly Kearns to see another female leader and I think that she's done really well in yes, her first and, and week really well and quick I'm going to just wrap it up with a one headline before the end of the show uh, the economy grew by 0.3% in GDP terms in the final three months of last year which is markedly slower than the initial estimate of 3.5% published last month according to figures published by the Central Statistics Office Modified domestic demand, which strips out the impact of multinationals, declined by 1.3%. It's the second quarterly decline in this measure in a row, which means that the domestic economy entered the technical definition of a recession at the end well, of last year. And what a word to leave out that by. I'm going to have to leave it. I'm going to have to. We're out of time. I'm going to have to leave it there for today. Uh, but thank you to all of the panel. And just a reminder that you can listen back to today's gathering and all of our shows on the RTE radio app. Thank you for listening. The programme was produced by the series producer Alistair McConnell, research by Kieran Dunn, our broadcast coordinator was Jarlath Holland and unsigned was Cara O'Hare. I'll be back at the same time on Monday but now it's over to Louise Duffy.